No, no, no. So you live alone? Yes. You think I'm pretty? I like her gorgeous. Come to me. Time you touch someone. nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. And welcome to the spoiler room. Yes, today we are taking a look at a film that was released on March 14th, 2014. And it made the indie scene and it is the movie that is known by many as where Black Widow gets naked. Yes, I'm talking about Under the Skin. And tonight, to talk about this very interesting science fiction indie film, I have a couple of great crew members joining me tonight. First off, we have Mr. Cole Meredith. Hello, Cole. Good evening, Mark. Good evening, Paul. Good to be hanging with you guys. Glad to have you here to talk about this most interesting indie film. And next to Cole is, of course, the bowtie man himself, Mr. Paul Salzer. Hello, Paul. Hello, Mark. Hello, Cole. I hope you guys are ready to talk some really interesting stuff tonight. <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah, we are talking about a very interesting film, a film that's actually been uh, quite polarized in the film industry. There's a number of people who really hate this film, think it sucks, and then there's others who really, really love the film. And the film Under the Skin, if you're not familiar with it, is about a mysterious young woman who seduces lonely men in the evening hours of Scotland. However, events lead her to begin a process of self-discovery. Yeah, you see, she's not quite of this earth, and she uh, lures these men for their otherworldly purposes. But soon, uh, after a certain event, she starts to come to a realization about herself and the planet she's living on, and makes her question a lot of things about her purpose in life, I I think it's a good summary of it. And uh, 
Paul, we'll start with you first. What did you think of Under the Skin? Uh, truthfully, uh, it took me nearly an hour into this film before I actually started liking it for as a story. Uh, up to that point, the, the film kind of sustained me by kind of forcing me to go and say, what is this film about? What was that scene about? Uh, what is that scene about? Oh, my God. And I just, I guess my biggest thing is I wish they would have gotten to the point a lot sooner. And then I probably would have enjoyed the movie a lot more. I did enjoy it. But like I said, it took me an hour of, in a nearly two hour long film uh, before I actually did enjoy watching it as a story. It, uh, up to that point, it was more of an artistic thing that was like, ooh, I'm, I'm wise in the artistic ways and I don't want to feel embarrassed <laughs> by saying it sucks. <laughs> That's pretty much how I felt. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a definitive art house film. That is, that is for sure. There's no, no, there's no, uh, you know, arguing that point at all. This is definitely an artsy sci-fi film. Cole, how about you? When you first saw this under the skin, how'd you feel about it? Well, you know, it's it's a it's a tone poem. You know, it's like a tone poem of a film. It's very lyrical. It's about uh, sexuality and humanity and feminine strength and vulnerability uh, sort of wrapped up in a hazy sci-fi shell with some uh, pretty uh, suitable feminist strength at its core. Um, really, though, when it's all said and done, it's 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 I consider it to be a pretty mind blowing horror film. It circles around uh, emotions of apprehension, shock, and tragedy. I mean, Jesus, the, the sequence at the beach alone where, you know, Scarlett's character watches the demise of this family, then takes the man who tried to help them prisoner after bashing his skull in with a rock is like one of the most wicked and dreadfully beautiful sequences I've seen in a film in years. Uh, you know, I... A decade from now, I'm not I'm not sure if it's going to be talked about in the high ranks of like disturbing sci-fi horror classics like The Thing or Cronenberg's The Fly, but it should be, man. There's a lot of body horror to go around here, you know. And you know, the other thing I'd like to say is just like how much this film sets you up, like from the beginning. I mean, the the, the opening actually remind, reminded me of a 2001 a tad. It, it just it, it it's just awe-inspiring and it sets the tone for the whole film. I, I mean, it's it, that opening is somehow otherworldly and yet distinctly human at once. You know, is is that a tunnel of light? Is it the birth of Scarlet's character or the death of the woman they find in the trenches in the following scene? Or or, or both, you know, is it a cluster of planets? Is it is it like a birth canal? Is it a, an eclipse? It's just a stunning prelude, and, and the whole film follows through with that. Lots of sequences, including that opening, have absolutely no audio at all, which I think is a really daring move. I mean, not even quiet audio. They just drop the audio out altogether. It, it focuses on environment instead of action. And, uh, you know, it's very patient, which may make lots of viewers get anxious or fidgety, but not me. I, I appreciated the, the movie's sort of forbear, for, forbearing pace. And uh, I hate it when filmmakers rush through things. You know, I hate, I, I, not always, I shouldn't say I hate it, but I, I do appreciate when, when a director gives you full measure 
and isn't afraid to take his time. And that means a lot to me. It really does. Those movies have a special place in my heart. And Jonathan Glazer did some wonderful things in this movie, for sure. Well, this as as a film like this would, you imagine, there's a lot of things that uh, behind the scenes stuff involved in this film, which we'll get to in a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's it's one that makes you think, and it's one that is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I watched it and I dug it for its oddity. And you're right, that first you don't get a proper line of dialogue until 13 minutes in is the first. Wow, really? I didn't realize yes. that. Yes. Oh yeah. But- I. No, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, but uh, that that's very true. But listen to it with headphones on, a, a good pair of stereo headphones, uh, and, and pop up the DTS sound, because you will actually hear her learning, trying to learn English and going through the the phonetics of, of speaking. Like, she, she'll say start saying the, just the sounds of, she'll start sounding out consonants. Oh, yep. there is that. I remember yep. that now. You're right. But, but yeah. there's it, not actually a line of dialogue. There's, but yeah, there is no noise. Line, yes. Yeah, she she's making noises. So her her body, she is learning, which uh, you know, you, you, when we meet up with her first in the beginning, we get this really kind of abstract sequence uh, that eventually leads to a very close up of an eye. Makes you wonder what exactly you're looking at, which. You know, that pulls you right in and it kind of sets the tone of this film, letting you know you're not getting a normal <laughs> narrative with this film, folks, uh, at least for most of the movie. And, uh, you know, it, it opens with a guy in a motorcycle who just finds the dead that this. Now, the thing is, with the body of the girl he finds, she was actually alive. At first, I thought she was dead. And they stick her into the free Wi-Fi candy van. Uh, well, free candy van. My my kid calls a van like that free Wi-Fi and candy now for millennials. Uh, but he sticks her in the back of that van, and they uh, they use her wardrobe basically for Scarlett Johansson's character uh, to wear. But there's a bit of a tear. So was that girl not actually dead? Cole, was she? Were we meant to believe that that girl that they had that they stripped for her clothing was still alive? Well, I took it as she was one of their kind and had met the same fate that Scarlet met in a much gruesomer way later. But you know, it's no coincidence the clothes fit her perfectly, almost as if they all have the same shell. And uh, I, I just got the feeling that it was kind of like passing the torch along. Okay, you know, there's one recruit down, here's another. But yeah, I don't think she was dead. I mean, there was that tear um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there for sure, which could mean a number of things. I mean, I, I, how right. would you kill? How would you kill some, you know, otherworldly life form? I don't, I don't want to say alien necessarily, um, but how would you kill some otherworldly life form? Maybe you know. If she had been, you know, God forbid, raped or left for dead in this ditch by some guy, certainly, you know, the alien life form might have a way of going on as opposed to being torched into ashes. You know what I right. mean? So that's that's the way I took it. You know, um, I've only seen the movie twice, once when it was first came out and then once this afternoon. But, you know, that was my first impression. Even the first time I watched it by the end of the film, I was like, oh, that that was, you know, one of these, these beings and, uh, she, you know, the torch, the torch was being passed to Scarlet. 
Right. And uh, well, she's even titled as the dead woman. So it may, may very well have uh, been like that. Uh, Paul, what about you? Live or dead? Was she uh, originally dead? Uh, but hearing Cole's explanation, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. I, I would go for that because it make the make the story have a, a, a an extra level that would be very enjoyable to me. So, yeah, it, thumbs up it, to Cole there. You're right. It would make it an extra level. And by putting that into focus, it, it would fit the rest of this film because the story that you get, well, the, initially on the surface, you have the story of this female, uh, Scarlett Johansson, who is able to, <laughs> not very difficultly, but is able to lure men uh, to to their you know a, a dimension or wherever so that they can uh, be used or consumed basically because that as you watch this film yes this is a spoiler room folks as you watch this film you realize the purpose that uh, these men are serving why she's luring them to them but you know and, and so that sounds like it's it's a, a female empowerment type of thing but now that you mention it with that female in the beginning the character in the beginning she's not actually empowered she's a tool in this the the impression i got with it and it sounds bad but in the beginning until she looks in the mirror where we get that kind of uh start of journey to self-realization yeah she's actually a tool being used by the guys because all the guys were motorcycle riders and he's the one that picks the original girl up in the beginning. And they basically are using the ladies as a lure to get these guys to get the meat. So while it's making a statement about how weak guys are to be lured in by her, I got the impression she was being used as a tool, as a lure, basically, to reel in the fish to uh, be consumed. Paul, what do you think about that? I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly because I did a little bit of uh, looking back at the source material, and mm -hmm. uh, it is one of the few things that they did get from the original uh, novel okay. by uh, Mr. Faber, mm -hmm. and uh, it, 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 she was very much a tool. Uh, she actually worked for, on her planet, uh, a corporation, and all she was there for, for to doing was to lure men in she in in the in that source material that she actually did spend some time to fatten them up and we we were delicacies but it did have an element of uh, female empowerment as well because she honestly loved her job she actually had to uh physically transform it, it wasn't like it is in the movie um mm -hmm. and uh they did surgery on her and she in her mind she kind of looked hideous like she she disfigured her body so that she could do her job but she loved her job and and so she was she empowered herself in in doing this thing because it uh what she was doing was uh basically giving her people the necessary food even though ultimately i think that food went to the elite of right. her planet yeah so <laughs> oh well and that's the impression I got is that the guys who were using, you know, who, who set her up basically with the van and the clothing were using her for their own food because you never see her actually eat uh, at all. She, she tried just, to eat and then she got sick. 
Well, yeah, after she started out trying to figure out exactly what she actually was. Cole, how yeah. about you? Did you did you get that kind of duality where at one hand you get the impression, yes, we're making a statement about female empowerment and how weak guys are and how you can lure them. But at the same time, you realize, too, she's actually being used to lure these guys in and, and kind of being used as, as a, a object rather than a an individual. Yeah, I think it could be seen either way. I, you know, I'm not familiar with the book. Right. And I was sure not to. Just for me, after the first time I saw this, and even tonight, I, 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 I read a couple little reviews, but then realized it was going to kind of sway me. Sure. Um, and this is just one of those films I'd rather just, you know, be a purist and just love the movie because I, I do love it a lot. So I think you could see it either way. I mean, there's there's two sides to it. You know, there's that really creepy scene where where the 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 one the one guy again. I hate to use the word alien, but he's just kind of circling her. This is after she's uh, taken out a couple guys and maybe becoming a little self aware. Right. And he's just examining the hell out of her in a really creepy way, like she's some commodity. Then again, you know, you could see it see it as they know how dangerous this planet is. You know, they know what uh, specifically the men on this planet are like and to go haywire and sort of go off on your own could be entirely dangerous, you know, within the context of the movie, not taking the, the, the original novel into account. You could see it as that, like by the end, you know, when she meets her fate and there's that really lonely shot of, um, the 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 gentleman the the lead alien guy sort of staring off into the mountains you could see it as he was like oh jesus again you know <laughs> this this happened again so i think you know in the context of the movie you could see it either way i go back and forth with it but it's it, you know the the key part is when it re it's revealed that there are four or five of these motorcyclists and they all spread out looking for her. That's a key scene. And you realize, oh, Jesus, you know, these guys really are maybe pimps in a certain sense, you know. And that's the thing. And I think it's supposed to be left a little bit ambiguous. There's a lot of ambiguity in this film. Yeah, yeah. Which is fine. I love ambiguity. I don't like films that will hold your hand. Maybe a little bit too much for a lot of people, but you know, I, you know, you get no explanation of of the beings that there there actually are, and you know, you and it's through visuals you get not exposition that you get kind of why they're luring these guys into, but at the same time you don't get a whole lot of dialogue from her as to you know exposition either to figure out purpose of is she doing this voluntarily is she a tool uh you know empowerment in the beginning uh, were the guys who she might i guess you could say work for were did they have her a specific way to protect her or was it that they didn't look like you said there was a scene where she's being circled and looked not nice upon basically the guys just uh, basically studying her for almost like flaws or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I love that because I kept going back and forth going, okay, is she, is she doing this voluntarily? Is it empowerment? Is she a tool? Are they doing it to protect her? You know, like at the end, maybe they had her only in the routine because, uh, you know, they want, didn't want her to venture out because as uh, you know, you and Paul both uh, talked about how deadly, 
human males are, you know, and maybe it was for the purpose of protection. Uh, it, it's really hard to say in this what, you know, where the position actually was for her. But what we do know is, and I, I, I think it's captured in the cinematography, and you don't realize it till that halfway point when she lures the guy who apparently that actor actually does have that condition, the uh, the uh, with the uh, face. Oh, Adam uh, Pearson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, he he, does. he has that uh, uh the actual condition, and uh, you know when she she kind of actually takes pity on him, he doesn't become you know the frozen dinner like everyone else. <laughs> but the before she was able to rescue him from the black goo, uh she looked in the mirror and if you notice that's the first time she actually looks in the mirror paul did you notice that 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 was the actual first time she looked in the mirror i mean she's driving around in the van and we get shots from the rearview mirror but she doesn't actually look at the rearview mirror during that section yes, yes i did notice that yes and so what was it do you think about her seeing herself that maybe triggered this going oh you know Maybe I'm something more than just a lure. I actually didn't take it as uh, that. I didn't take that scene as being her realizing that she was, uh, you know, what she was. I looked at it as more of she realized just how much she looked like us because and and not physically, because it, it, it was fitting that she changed her her ideas uh after after meeting the the person with the physical deformity, which throughout her entire conversation she didn't even seem to notice, uh, I always looked at it as she's looking inside of him because it, honestly that's what that you know that's the food. Uh, if you noticed in when the first guy got turned into food, his skin was left there as right. a, as, as a husk, and so they didn't need that. They didn't look at the skin as being a, an important thing at all. It was what's inside. And that's what I took from that from that whole scene was that she looked at him and and saw something. And then when she looked in the mirror, she wasn't actually looking at her physical form. She was realizing that the person inside her was turning human. And that's why she decided to leave. And that's that's how I interpreted the scene. It might be totally wrong, but, you know, no, I, I don't think there is a wrong with yeah. this. In all honesty, Cole, how about you with that scene where she comes to realization one way or another that she, she might be human or whatnot. And she's staring at the mirror and she, she wakens up a little bit or has starts to have an awakening and rescues the would be food. I, I agree entirely with what Paul said. It has, uh -huh. it, it has a lot to do with, with, you know, the gentleman, uh, a really gifted actor and, and brave of him to do this. Um, especially with, with the nudity and, and everything, you know, um, it it really ties into his his physical condition and and what that incited in her because you have a story that where at some point in a way the antagonist becomes the protagonist which is to say she does some genuinely horrible things in the first act and um she breaks away from that in a certain sense and you begin to feel for her and and worry about her and follow through the story with her as opposed to worry about these random guys showing up at her truck window and that character is key you know to why she pivots um and as you said mark you know the first time she sees her reflection i think she 
begins to make the association. Um, well, she begins to realize the difference between body and soul. If I can get away with using the word soul in, in a film sure. like this, that's so am, ambiguous. Uh, but I think that is key. I think the movie in, in large part is about the search for soul in a, in a corrupt environment. Um, and I, I think, yeah, this gentleman's uh, physical condition um, directly results or ties into that long stretch where she looks in the mirror. I mean, it's not a throwaway shot, as you mentioned, Mark. It's a, she, I, what is it, two, three minutes of screen time or just staring at her reflection, you know, it's figuring least, things out? It's at least a couple minutes where she's just staring into the mirror. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I was just trying to highlight what Paul said in some way yeah. because he, he he summed it up well. And you're you're right as well, Mark, that, that that scene is absolutely key. That whole section of the movie is key. But when she looks in the mirror, it's really when the movie begins to shift, you know, quite a bit. But, oh, yeah, it, it shifts. It, it, the story becomes a little more cohesive, if you will, mm-hmm. and you start to get – but you still got to pay attention. I mean, you're, you're – of, of what's going on and – you know, after she comes to that realization, she she still found out she can't eat s- sweets. <laughs> oh, God. Um, also, the scene, scene right before that yeah. was significant in my mind, too, because it was, uh, it, uh, if I can recall, except for the beginning scene, that was the first time that she was fully, uh, basically naked to us. And in and, and, and film terms, that was, you know, she was bearing it all uh, to us as an audience. And that was the first time that I, th- I saw the alien as being totally, you know, without any protection. She was just, you know, totally naked and, and truthful of what she was. And that was the scene immediately prior to the, to the mirror scene, you know? Well, the so. mirror scene comes later. The, the but mirror scene. but isn't, isn't it after, isn't it after uh, she, no, well, there's two, there's a mirror scene where after she drops the, the gentleman into the goo, she's walking down the stairs and she's staring at herself in the mirror. I realized that, but the scene right then, before that, when he, when she, when he falls into the goo was the first time, because I think the prior guys, she had at least some article of clothing on. This was the first time that I remember her taking off every bit of uh, clothing that she had. Right. We Did don't you notice that. I, I thought she still had some clothing on. Maybe I, maybe I am missing uh, remembering, but well, she, I didn't, you can edit it all out. She, I mean, no, no, it's okay. No, I, no it's, with the, with the, the gentleman and the, with his, with the, um, with the physical condition, I forget the character's name. The, I'm just going to call, call him by his actor's name, Adam Pearson. Right. Um, that was the first time that, that she was entirely naked. Yeah. And boy, we're really on this, aren't we? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no. apparently didn't. <laughs> No, yeah. I mean just in terms of never mind. Well, no, the, 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 the film though, it, the scenes kind of blend together. So, uh, you know, no, for me, I, I didn't quite remember it because it wasn't, I think, as focused. And, and maybe it was because you do see her naked at the beginning, getting the clothes off of the the quote unquote. Oh yeah, that's, that's accurate. Um, that's but that's accurate. what I mean. That's what I mean. In that scene, she she's coming to our our planet. From wherever worldly dimension she comes from, either if an alien or from an right. alternate dimension, so she is she is new to the world, and then therefore you know the, this naked individual coming into the world like we do when we're born, and then up to that point you didn't see her fully that way again, newly reborn, you know, fresh baby until that scene she looks at herself in the mirror 
and then that's that's the turning point you know well she's clothed though she's clothed though when she looks at herself in the mirror i I know that but i mean prior to that scene yes yeah that's the turning point for her and for us that's the indicator that hey she's changing now yeah well like you said for me it wasn't even that because i felt she was still in lure mode though you could tell it was slightly different for me it was for you know after that scene for me, it was the turning point. But yeah, you're right. That is the start of her turning because she she makes herself the most vulnerable to this individual. Um, you know, and it it a little bit of trivia about the guys that she's lured up until that it, up until him because he's the last guy she actually lures. Um, those were actual real people off the streets. <laughs> the the they weren't told that they were part of a movie until after they get in the van. But up oh. until that point, the guys that she's asking for directions for in Scotland, those aren't actors. <laughs> so what, what do they do then? What does the director be like, okay, look, sign these release forms. You have to get naked. <laughs> well, actually, wow. they, there were a lot more. Because I, I, I remember the story coming out later. It's in the trivia bits for for imdb but i remember fascinating i remember reading an article about that as well though that it was uh one of those where they uh they filmed it and they basically had hidden cameras within the van and you can kind of tell the way it's shot Mm. um but the people that they came up with up to and talked to were real folks and then they'd get them when they get into the uh uh, van, they told them, you know, oh, this is actually for a film, hey, you know, and then asked them, hey, we've got this next scene where you get totally naked with Scarlett Johansson uh, on camera. Do you want to do that? And, uh, you know, um, I'm sure they were uh, found it hard to find people for that. Um, <clears throat> I <say> that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just being truthful. Okay? No, 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 no. I I was just thinking that it, you know it explains the massive erections these gentlemen have. <laughs> well, the first guy, the first guy. I was like, wow. I don't think I've seen an indie film where, <laughs> like, okay, he's not acting. Uh, <laughs> but it does, it does take some guts, though, man. I I really oh, no, does. It's... I was I was gonna do. For the last great horror movie, for the final showdown with Nebraska, I was going to do that just in my underwear and realized on the day, no way. I'm not <laughs> doing this. Fuck that. So it does. It really, I mean, it, it takes some cojones, man. I give those guys a lot of credit, especially them not being professional actors. If that's the case, that's phenomenal. Like, wow, man. That's at least that's what the story is. Now, like I said, it's indie films and you, you kind of got to take it like that but yeah according to not only the trivia on imdb but also on an article i read uh yeah he had hidden cameras in the van and informed them afterwards that they were in a movie and then it was up to them to release uh, yeah ah. so the, so the men lured into the van were not uh were not actors so that's uh i thought that was interesting which also i think I mean, this is the Scarlett Johansson show. This is her act. You know, I mean, she's in every scene and I loved her performance in here. And it also shows her performance for thinking on the fly, because if she was luring these guys in, you've got to improv. Mm -hmm. 
if the you know if these are true not set up actors the only person i think that was was uh, adam pierce and the only reason they did that was because he didn't want to actually use uh special effects for the individual mm. that that makes her realize this he wanted someone who actually had a condition um and so you know so i think that was probably the only actual the real actor but the guys that are her victims yeah, those were supposedly just real people. <laughs> so. that, 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 I have a lot of respect for that. I really yeah, do. You know. That only ups my respect for this film. I, I loved it before, but if that's true, man, that's this well, is like I, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> well, awesome. the, other re, the other respect I have for Jar- Scarlett Johansson in this is this is after Marvel World, okay? This is after mm. being introduced to the Marvel World, and this is a this is a pretty bold move for an actress to take after being in films like that to where she is in a number of scenes completely just naked to the world. And also that this is like a small indie film to take on a film like this after doing such big films. I, I, I love when actors do that. Paul, what about you and Scarlett Johansson's performance in here in general and taking a role like this after being in such big films? I think that is a very, like you said, a very bold move, and it shows that she she really does enjoy her craft a lot, and I appreciate her a lot more hearing that. And and yes, and as for her performance, I was totally captivated by her as well. I mean, she said some things, and the how she said them, she spoke with her eyes quite a bit. I felt, mm-hmm. and it just it draws it draws you in, and I think that one guy. And now I even I, I appreciate it even better because now of what you said, the guy even comments about her eyes, and it makes yeah, it's so truthful that she she does. It's amazing, amazing. I love it. Yeah, I mean, she you could tell this is a role she really wanted to do. And Cole, how about you with ScarJo's uh, performance in here? Well, she was. You know, it sounds like a cliche to say, but she was pitch perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. she was the perfect person to do this uh, i um i think you know more than anything this is the the director's show and the cinematographer show and even uh oh, God, M- yeah. M- miko levy's hypnotic insect-like score <laughs> is really good i mean the cinematography somehow makes earth look like an alien planet and i i think that's just astonishing work um but i think in terms of like her performance there's there's no you know, taking anything away from it. I, I just have to kind of say, like, she owes it to herself to do this. I mean, she needs she needs to do projects like this, not to give anybody, you know, of, of her level of brilliance career advice. That would be idiotic of me. But it, like Ryan Reynolds, when you're that good looking, you've got to take risks. You've got to branch <laughs> out there. You, you do. Like Michael J. Fox, you know, right off of Back to the Future did stuff like Casualties of War, Light of Day, Bright Lights, Big City. None of these were huge hits, um, but they were all movies where the critics were like, wow, this guy can act and he's not just going to ride on his looks for the rest of his life. And I, I think you really have to do that. You know, um, the, the, the nudity was almost, I, you know, the first time I watched it because a, a friend of mine, I forget who, had mentioned, you know, it's the only reason we're seeing it is, you know, Scarlett Johansson is, is naked. Oh, 
I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. No, I don't, I don't, I don't obviously, I, I don't. This is, I really have so much respect for this movie, but, and this is, this is, I forget who, who told this to me. It is, it was a friend of mine. I, but while I'm watching the movie, it didn't even really occur to me. And I'm not just saying that to say it. I became so wrapped up in the story that her nudity, even in the beginning, when she's stripping down that that other being, I you know, I'd like to think it was one of her kind. It didn't really occur to me. And part of it was because, I mean, didn't she just go through all this stuff with the nude leaked photos and everything? I mean, was everybody real, really that amped up to see her naked again? I, I don't know. I just, I... I don't know. You, you guys know me. I'm not an exploitation guy per se. I love exploitation films as long as I don't have to be there on the set doing the shit. So I, 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 I'm not really one to like look for seek out nudity or seek out blood splatterage or any of that. But to me, I, I mean, it fit the story, which is always what you need, whether it's nudity, sexuality, you know, profanity, blood, guts on the wall, you know, does it suit the story? Are you trying to tell something? Or are you just trying to in, incite, you know, an audience? Are you just trying to get butts in the seat so you can pay for a yacht? Um, and to, to, to me, everything here fit. This was, this, this was a story that really carried some weight. I mean, even watching it again today, I watched it with my headphones on um, at the tail end of my stepson spring break. You know, just stay in the other room. I've got to do this for my podcast. Uh, and my fiance got home. I timed it out so that it would be over when she got home so I could cook dinner. And I couldn't even talk to her. I mean, when she came home, she's just like, what's wrong? I'm like, this fucking movie is so powerful, you know? Um, and the nude scene to me fits. I, I actually, I, when I was in the in, like in the in the restroom, like brushing my teeth and stuff tonight before the show, I'm, I asked myself the question: Would would this movie work without the nude scenes? I mean, would it would it still function? And I don't know that it would because it's an important part of the film. Well, it's it's um, the next it's the next level. It, it, it's the further level of her discovering who she really is. Yeah, and, and yeah. exploring the change in her body. I mean, she, she goes from, you know, basically a, a, a drone type of individual to getting her identity. And part of her identity is, you know, is physical as what, as well as mental. And yeah, I agree. I think, I think it served a purpose. It wasn't just in there just to be in there. Uh, it, it does serve a purpose as far as the, growth of the character and trying the character trying to understand who they really are um you know and i I think the director actually handles the nudity in here fairly well and it'd be the u.s viewers no offense to u.s viewers but the majority of the u.s viewers who would be more hung up on it than european uh yeah absolutely personally because at least that's the way i feel paul how about you with the nudity in here, uh, uh, you feel it served a purpose or was it just exploitation? Cause of- no, I, I felt it was very necessary. As I mentioned before, uh, to me, the nudity was a, a trigger, a signal to tell us that, uh, you know, it's, it's about bearing the inside. It's, you know, it's what's under the skin. Uh, and so, and you know, it's, it's truthful to the title. And so th- that's why I always looked at it as being, uh, that she's, she's constantly, uh, 
evolving and get and as she starts to uh, become more and more human, she's starting to bear more and more of herself, uh, quite literally to us. And then at the at the end, when uh, or, or the the scene next, when she meets up with the guy that helps her out, kind of, and uh, he basically has sex with her. There was another scene where again she's completely naked and and she's she's discovering a little bit about how her body works at that point. And then at the very, very end, you get to see her uh, beyond naked, which is basically, you know, the real her truly naked for us to see. And that's why I do believe that that the the naked scenes are extremely important to me. That was the point. That was the trigger to to tell us, you know, what's going on. Right. Yeah. Because now that you mentioned it now, it. I, I'm seeing that now where in the beginning it's when she first arrives. Then we see her again when she comes to the realization of who she might really be and that she really shouldn't be luring all these guys to, to their food. And then she's fully naked again, just before she decides to try a romantic encounter with the guy she has an encounter with. Uh, Cause it's just before they actually have it. And then Later, yeah, after the attempted, the 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 rather disturbing attempted rape uh, scene, uh, it is where she bears her. She she ends up totally looking at herself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just so many layers and, and interesting angles to this film, and uh, the cinematography I thought was just freaking fantastic in this film, uh, especially the scenes. I loved how they did the scenes when she would lure the guys and as she would walk, they would sink. Uh, that cinematography, Paul, what'd you, what'd you think about it throughout the film? Uh, it was amazing. It, it's, um, you know, it's, and then the, the fact that, uh, they also the room they, they would show you more and more of the, of the dilapidated dwelling that she lived in as, as they went along in the film too. And, and yeah, their choices were, were really, really uh, amazing. And then having them sink down, that's actually going to be, uh, my question that I brought along. Is, is it okay to ask it now? Sure. We could do that now. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so that avoid, uh, that void abyss that they, the men are kind of walking toward her and she's, she's, kind of tantalizing them and, and, and luring them even further. They, they keep sinking and sinking. I wanted to know what you guys thought of that. Is that void abyss real or is it just a metaphor? Ooh, good question. Cole, how about you first? I think both. I mean, I, I think it, it, yeah, I think it's both. I mean, I think it functions on two different levels. Um, it's absolutely metaphorical. Um, but, but, you know, obviously it's, it's, I, I, I hope it's functioning on some bizarre sci-fi level <laughs> as well as uh, one of you said earlier that uh, their, their skin remains as their insides are ripped out. And I hadn't actually noticed that I was trying to figure out exactly what was going on there. Um, not that I was entirely confused, um, uh, but I, you know, I, I didn't realize that maybe it was not to use this analogy incorrectly but some hellraiser type thing you know where, where <laughs> it's just the, the skin kind of hanging there but that actually visually rings accurate to me so it is food you know it, that's it actually helps me appreciate it's sort of the what you see 
level of 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 that scene more. But on a metaphoric level, it it works entirely. Uh, it works excellently. I mean, um, yeah, it's just the the notion of um, falling under a, 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 a sort of a sexual spell. Mm. And just being submerged and hanging there in limbo as uh, somebody else dresses and moves to the next partner is, uh, you know, relevant and powerful, I think. Yeah, it, it's it, I think it was metaphorical, uh, meant to be metaphorical and literal, because I think that was a chunk of the sci fi angle because of uh, the way they were. I think that that was their actual process was the fact of these guys uh, start to sink down and then they're like marinated or, or they're soaked. They're soaked. So their skin gets looser because the one guy that he runs into, who was the guy before him, the skin is looser. And then all of a sudden his insides get just sucked out, you know? And so the skin is left. And so I think that that's for real, but it is also working on another level of them getting, falling into a, a, the seduction of her completely and and so into her that they don't even aren't they aren't even bothered they're sinking into this stuff oh so true so true oh you know yes. because they're entranced but i think part of that too is the alien factor of her species whoever they are um which some people have positive posited too that apparently she's a, a like a legendary actually supposed to be like a, a selkie i think it's called or whatnot uh, uh, it's apparently a scottish uh oh yeah i've read about yeah a, a scottish being um which I, i'm not too educated with that so i i just it was it was something i ran across while looking more into this in that because this is filmed in scotland uh, that uh, uh, Selkie, uh, yeah, I have it here. Uh, Selkies are mythological creatures found in Scottish, Irish, and Icelandic folklore. Uh, they are said to live as seals in the sea, but sh- shed their skin to become human on land. And they're described as being a very beautiful in their human form and therefore having great seductive powers. So there is a theory that she might actually be one of these mythological creatures. Sounds mm. pertinent. Which which could also, and that's what I love about this film is there's enough dialogue in here to make it feel natural, but at the same time, it, it is very minimalistic in its dialogue to where you don't get a lot of exposition of explanation, <laughs> of detail of what's going on. It's It's visual and interpretation, you know, and we watch her character move along through this film, and as she discovers more about herself and the world she's in, it gets scarier. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on there, but uh, we'll go to, let's go to uh, Cole's question. Cole, did you have a question or a topic or something you wanted to bring up? Sure. Yeah, man. Uh, well, this ties into, I guess a couple, I'll just open up with a couple little quick things that didn't necessarily bug me, but I, I feel like perhaps the movie paints itself in two broad of strokes at times. Like just the notion that the rose thorns would cause her to bleed if she could just tear her fleshy suit off like rubber in the final sequence. Um, And just various other sci-fi elements that could have been clarified a little bit, like how the, how the the lead motorcyclist is, is able to find Adam Pearson right away. And yet they need, you know, 
uh, six other motorcyclists and they still can't find her in the final act. So I guess my question was, leading into that is, why do you think this movie wasn't as successful as it perhaps could should have been? But I, I do feel like it, it should have been more successful. And especially at the peak of, you know, Scarlett Johansson's sex appeal and, you know, this, this, you know, this notoriety of all these nude scenes. Do you think the material was perhaps too broadly painted or just too disturbing or, or wasn't marketed well? Like, why do you think people didn't latch on to this? Did the, did the sci-fi elements need more clarification or was it just not marketed that well? Go ahead, Paul. You can take this one first. Ooh, uh, there's a lot to think about there. Uh, well, like I said, when I first started um, out, I really didn't get into this film until about an hour in, story-wise. So it, I think if uh, an average person were to sit down and watch this and didn't want to watch something that was artistic or didn't have any... They just wanted to sit down and, and kind of have... Uh, Maybe like a, a you know a, a Scarlett Johansson like drama movie or maybe a, a Marvel movie, th- they would have they would have just got bored with it. And I think a lot of people might have done that and and just said, well, yeah, I guess she's naked, ha ha ha, and yeah. that's worth it. But <laughs> I don't I don't think they really they have to like you know i had to uh, because i knew this was actually the first time i i did watch the film i tried watching the film about a year ago and i i i rented a bunch of films cuz i wanted to go to a convention on the weekend and i thought oh I, i'll be able to watch this this film uh <laughs> at the convention whoops oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it started you know it started out with oh there's there's naked women oh oh uh, i'm going to close my laptop now and I'm not going to watch that film. And then the weekend just got caught up. And so, but as I was watching this this film the second time, it was like, okay, I'm I've got to watch I got to watch this. I don't know what the story is. Oh, that's interesting. I'll, I'll keep watching it. And oh, you lost me again. But I, <laughs> oh, that's interesting too. I'll, I'll watch it. Oh yeah, she is naked. Uh, and then and then oh oh now it's a story. Oh, now <laughs> I understand what's going on. Oh my god, it's like. It's like, oh, that 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 scene that I didn't understand now makes sense. Oh my god, and that's how I felt as I was watching the movie. Uh, and I, how do you market something like that? You know, you can't put that in the back of the of a box saying, you know, you're gonna hate. You're probably not gonna understand the first hour of it, but if you get past it, you're gonna understand it all, and you're gonna love it. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll say it's it's not meant for. It's a film that's not meant for wide release. It's not meant for mainstream. And this is, please, I am not trying to say anything about your mainstream movie audience, but this is not a mainstream film. This is not a film that's made for a mass audience because you're, as a casual viewer, they're going to watch this and they're going to get bored or or they're going to lose interest because there's very little dialogue. Not a lot of action. There's a lot of nuanced things going on. I've seen people call the film pretentious, thinking it, it's trying to be too artsy. Oh, for uh, sake. Which, which <laughs> I, I don't think, but I've seen, I've seen people call it. There's people that just downright hate the film, which I can also see. I can see because this is, this is just one of those you know, odd, 
unusual films that is the person was the, the, the director and the writer and the artists, everyone involved was telling a story, but they weren't telling a story necessarily that they knew was going to be a commercial success. I, I, I can't believe that they, they were making this film thinking, Oh, this is going to be like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna beat out we're gonna beat out uh avengers you know? We're gonna, you know no it's an indie film it's an art film it's it's one of those things that are meant to be not defined i mean we're trying to describe it tonight but every, it, it but it's one of those where it is it's it's almost too subtle though in a lot of ways for many people and it's good it, it will turn and i can see how it turned many people off because it's so subtle to the point uh, for most of it, that first hour, you know, and, and people, a lot of people turn it off after that. And then you finish and then you just, it, the way it closes with the guy alone with her alone in the woods and the attempted mm-hmm. rape. And suddenly she reveals her true form and she's set on fire. And you know, the, the way it ends, you're just like, Holy crap. I did it's not. Ex- <laughs> this was my first viewing, and I did not expect it to go where it went <laughs> in, in a good way. Yeah. But again, that can turn a lot of people off. So I think it wasn't a commercial success because this is not a film that's made to be a commercial success. I mean, no filmmaker wants to hear that, but it, it's true. It, it's made to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And whether they make full money or budget on it is is second to the story that the person's the director's trying to make. Either they're trying to show off how artsy they are, or or they're actually trying to tell the true story. I, I gotta take it at face value and think there there's honesty in this film and they're they're trying to be just tell a story in a unique way so that it can be open to interpretation to cause discussions like we're having tonight. Mm. Um, but films that usually do that aren't always a lot of times aren't commercial successes because of that because I mean that's why it it surprised me it's nowhere near on this level but Arrival surprised me Mm. because while it's got a narrative it's got a, a lot of subtlety and obscurity to it in a lot of ways and nuance so, you know, I was surprised they got that film as wide release as it did. Under the Skin, I don't think, got that huge of a release. You know, it's lived on rental and video on demand and such. And and it is, I guess you could say, is a, a, a cult film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's just made completely different than your normal stuff. And that's why I think it wasn't a success because it was so different and out there that you turn a lot of people away, you know, and, and it just happens that way because everybody's tastes are different. But when you get really artsy, uh, it, it could turn even more of your audience away because people, you know, tend to go to the movies, just a lot of them just for entertainment. And this is, this isn't a film made for entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> but does and, this- I, and, it, and it's not slamming it. Uh, go ahead, Paul. I was going to say, does that justify what like, Hollywood distribution companies are doing with films like they don't they don't support the the artsy films like we would want them to because they'll they'll point at this film and see this was not a commercial success we don't want to back non-commercial ventures <laughs> so uh, how do you 
how do you convince Hollywood that they should continue doing so? They're they're not they're not going to. They're never going to. I well, it's saved for the art house and limited release or released enough so it can qualify for possibly an Academy Award <laughs> because you know. Uh, because we've got, we've got other films. This isn't the first kind of obscure one just recently that was popular in a lot of my circles, but not so popular with mainstream audiences was the neon demon. There are people that got that film and there's people that hate that, (laughs) you you know, but you, you get that even with, uh, what, you know, a couple of the, was it only God forgives? Mm -hmm. Uh, That was his previous movie before that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, a lot of the Nicholas Winding, uh, Winding uh, Ruffin, I mispronounced that, you know, or there was uh, Lar- Lars von Trier is another one. Yeah. Who, yeah. who I'm surprised some of his stuff gets out there because it's obscure and artsy. And those films aren't exactly commercial successes. <laughs> but they're ones that many people who are looking for something completely different, something surreal, some kind of different cinematic experience go to, mm-hmm. but it's not your main audience, your main money-making audience that will seek these films out. And I think that's why these types of films, they may not become box office successes, but are still recognized either by those who actually are creating the art, you know, the Academy or, or, you know, BAFTA, this, this one, you know, this one, a BAFTA film award and and it won 24 other awards and it was nominated for like 101 awards total. But, um, you know, it, it, it won. uh, So you have acknowledgement out there. It might just not be, box office acknowledgement and that's gotcha. i guess my rambling of it but so that that's why i think i you know and i don't think it's studios hate it they just very few studios take risk nowadays we've yeah. had this before and it's even more evident today since this year is a prime example every summer every weekend just about is some kind of mega blockbuster tentpole sequel <laughs> remake comic book meant to experience a big box office take its opening weekend almost every weekend this summer there's going to be at least one if not more films like that Mm. but they're remakes they're comic book films they're sequels because those are known brands and going to get butts in the seat under the skin like you said how the hell do you market this film without <laughs> someone going into the movie and being completely disappointed because the trailer did not portray what this film actually is? And how many films out there, guys, have failed because of a bad trailer? Mm. Bad yes. promotion. How many films have failed because of the way they're you know, promoted or, or shown? Think of, uh, was it uh, with uh, 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 Loki, uh, Hiddleston. Crimson, um, was it? Uh, Peak. 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 Yeah. Completely marketed wrong. Yes. Yes. It it is a gothic romance film. And they, because it was Del Toro, and because it had some horror elements in it, that's all you saw in every freaking trailer. And then you get into the movie, and you realize 
this isn't a horror film. It has horror elements in it. It has one or two jump scares, but this is a gothic romance. Yes. This is a, this is a, a tragedy a, film. But it's a ghost story at best. I mean, at, you know, at, at, at the height of its horror qualities, it's a ghost story. It's, but but that's yeah. not how it's portrayed in the trailers in the marketing. Absolutely material. not. No, you're so, you're right. I, I haven't even I hadn't even thought about that really. That's a really good point. So really you is. bring it around to under the skin, same thing. A film like this, how do you market it? Because yes. because no matter what you come up with, you're gonna have an audience that's disappointed. And when that word of mouth gets out, it's gonna it's gonna <laughs> kill it. Kill it. it it's yeah. going to kill it. You know, so yeah, films like this live in art house, live in, in in independent theaters. You know that video on demand now with the digital age, because the people who go to those locations and the people who are looking at online are looking for that type of film, <laughs> and and know that they're going to expect something unexpected. They're going to get something not concrete or defined. You know, and it's nothing against the mainstream audience. That's just the way it is. It, it, it's there's films that are made for pure entertainment and money, and then there's films that are actually art, like like deep art, uh-huh. criterion worthy material. Exactly, criterion worthy material. You look at <laughs> a lot of the films Criterion came out with. I mean, I look at their catalog, and I look at like half of the films. Go, what the. F- <laughs> Like, what film is this? You know, and and why is it getting Criterion? Because I have, you got all these features. I don't even know what the hell this. You know, a lot of you know those rare foreign films or those lost foreign. You know, and it's great that they're doing that. But at the same time, you look at that going, and there's a reason why I wanted to do Under the Skin tonight, and we'll wrap it up here. Uh, the reason I wanted to do this film was because this was a film that was always on my. Oh, I should watch it. It looks, it looks quirky. It looks just odd, and this looks like a film that'd be up my alley because it looks odd. But <laughs> I always passed it by, just because it, it was almost too odd, and I knew I would, you know, need to be in the right frame of mind, kind of, to watch it. And after seeing her in Ghost in the Shell, which I refrained from my opinion on that film, uh <laughs> You know, it made me curious about how how she was in this film, and and this film, you know, her performance was f- phenomenal, and this film is very, very unique, and for select folks who are looking for really that kind of unusual artsy type film, this is one of those. There's another one that came out last year that a lot of people thought was great, and it had big names in it, but. I don't think it did that well in the box office, and it's on video on demand now. And my buddy just told me about it that I have, I should see it. And I'm like, uh, yeah, it's on my list. It's Swiss Army Man. Ah, uh, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting film. I have not it's seen it yet. It was a film that got a wider release, I think, because of the names in it. But just from the trailer and from what I've heard from people and the description, you mm-hmm. know, it, it boggles my mind that it got any type of wider release outside of just a few. Uh, you know, select theaters. <laughs> well, that, that that film specifically, and not to diminish, you know, how how good it is, because I recommend seeing it. But there there are some pretty. Uh, how how do I say this? 
there are some pretty obvious jokes in there. Sure. But, but if, that, again, if that makes sense, I mean, not like fart type jokes, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I mean, there there are some pretty obvious jokes that if you're sitting in a theater with a bunch of teenagers, they could feasibly get a couple chuckles. Right. You know what I mean? That that type of thing. But but I, again, though, that that's a type of film that, like I said, I haven't seen it yet. But just from everything that I, just from everything I've read on it and seen about it, it's quirky to where you're like how do you really market a film like that and get a bunch of butts in the seat to pay for it? You know, because yeah. it's such an odd concept, yeah. an unusual arts type concept that it's going to be hard to market and, and get any type of big budget, you know, big blockbuster pay at the box office. So just the way it is. Uh, so I'll, I'll quit babbling now about it, but uh <laughs> I want to thank our panel tonight and why don't we just go down really quick and give your recommendation of who you think would enjoy this type of film and then also where they can find you at. Go ahead, Cole. Why don't you go first? Well, I, um, I would recommend this to definitely fans of, of horror films. You know, I, I don't think just, the casual watcher of, uh, you know, somebody who's looking for an art house type of movie might not enjoy this because it is pretty dark. I, I do consider it to be a horror film, um, but it isn't the sort of horror sci-fi film that's about a dark alien from outer space or body snatchers or, you know, giant hissing creatures that ooze buckets of slime. And if only you, they could only be defeated if we could just blow up that damn spaceship, you know, <laughs> this is, it's, it's a movie about ideas. It, you know, it really is. It's a movie about like creative concepts and nasty notions of what is really lurking under the skin of humanity highlighted by a, a a bunch of of solid work from everybody involved, uh, Johannesson, all of the actors in this movie uh, do daring work. I appreciate the info on on the process of making this mark. I didn't know that. I really do appreciate that because I'm a fan of this. Um, I mean, this is top notch, fantastic, like dazzlingly artistic filmmaking it's like if if lisa choladenko directed species i mean <laughs> it's really it's really that unique um and i can't say more than what mark has said the past five minutes i mean you summed it up well i just <laughs> i recommend this to to people who who like to get the creeps but want something different you know really you want something to get under your skin uh this is the movie, uh, not to be confused with Under Our Skin, which is a documentary about Lyme's disease, which, oh boy, if you really want the creeps and <laughs> want down-to-earth sci-fi, check that out. But you can find me at uh, Shadows and Lovers Productions, a couple of new movies on the horizon, the last great horror movie, which has been completed for two-thirds of a year, but uh, is going to be out soon. Please uh, just follow us on Shadows and Lovers Productions and... Uh, Check that out because that 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 movie's done a lot for us. We're really really uh, proud of it. Um, and also, we're about to start uh, principal photography on a probably the most daring fucking thing we've ever done. A movie called Rise, which is uh, yeah, uh, I I would say uh, probably the craziest thing I've ever done, and I'm excited about it. Also, if you just want to see some interesting digital art or 
keep up with uh, secondhand horror news. I get my information like everybody else does on the net secondhand. Uh, you can follow me at Horror Roar, uh, but I do put a lot of work into my, my digital art. So uh, follow us there and also uh, follow the, the fine work of uh, Mark and Paul who are, work their asses off as well. So. Uh, thank you, Cole. And uh, Paul, how about you with your uh, recommendation of who you think would you would recommend this film to and where they can find you at. Okay. Um, I would think that uh, people that like the movie species would probably not like this because it's a little too slow for them, but science fiction novel readers, the ones that like read Isaac Asimov, those type of stories will get a kick out of this film. Uh, I think the point of this film to me is that you're not supposed to look at the skin. You're supposed to look underneath and and enjoy the film and and look at it from that start, set standpoint so people that believe in that kind of philosophy are the type of uh viewers that this film will appeal to so uh if you want to uh, read my reviews you can find me at uh, forsakenfilmreviews.wordpress.com if you want to hear uh, me you can hear me on astro radio z at the forsaken film review podcast as well as the film jerks 2.0 podcast and if you want to support independent horror films along with me, then uh, check out newhorrorfest.com. Excellent. Thank you very much for that. And as always, you can find links for them on uh, specialmarkproductions.com. Check out our new Facebook group. It's uh, group, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash SMPRD. Yes, that's right. Uh, we have one where we can interact with you more. There's a lot, a number of people on there already. We've had a lot of discussions about current episodes and what people want to see and let your voice be heard there. Otherwise we have a couple pages on Facebook as well. And, but links to all that are at specialmarkproductions.com along with our archive of the spoiler room, which you can also find on iTunes and Stitcher radio. We appreciate everyone out there listening, our new listeners and returning ones. We appreciate every single one of you and your support. Uh, we're growing all the time, and that's because of folks like you and these wonderful folks that join me every week in the spoiler room. So uh, we're going to just wrap it up here and say good night, gentlemen. Good night. Thanks for listening, guys.